0: like sports, I could do something in sports.
1: Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcasting. Well, that's really not fair.
0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Boxing One. I'm Azam Faruqi. For the first time, we're coming to you live on video as well. Well, not really live, it's just we're in front of you, you know. So, the Toronto Raptors are out of the NBA playoffs, uh, losing in Game 7 to Boston Celtics. Um, Pretty good season for the defending champions, uh, seven-year playoff run. Kind of feels like an end of an era. Opens up a lot of questions for the Raptors going forward. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, definitely, I think a successful season. Going into it, um, a lot of experts didn't think that we were going to make it anywhere near this far. Some people, you know, had us eighth. Some people had us missing the playoffs. I didn't think we were going to be that bad. But, um, I mean, the fact that we were as good as we were, having lost Kawhi and not really adding much, um, I think it was, it, it was a great year. Uh, I, and I, I said this on Instagram, it just goes to show how far we've come as a franchise where, you know, in the past, it was just about making the playoffs, and we would celebrate winning, winning um, divisions. And now we've come to the point where, you know, we've won a championship, and it's kind of championship robust, nothing, nothing more than winning a cha- nothing less than winning a championship is, is seen as a success anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Um I think mean, great season in some ways it val- You could argue that in some ways it validated the legitimacy of the franchise. This season validated the leg- legitimacy of the franchise more than even winning the title did because we showed that we can be an elite, elite team in the, in the NBA without Kawhi Leonard. The Raptors were expected to fall off the map without him. And that didn't happen. Um, I would dispute Ozam's earlier comment that it is the end of an era. I don't think it is. I'm mean, I not saying it's the
0: end of an era. I'm saying it feels like an end of an era because with the players involved, you may not see some of them back.
1: Well, okay, that fair enough. Yes, but I'm yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't think uh, after these playoffs we'll see some guys back. I Marcus All I think is definitely one of those guys, um, but I still think the team is well set up to be a top four team in the East again next year, no matter what they do. You still have Kyle Lowry. You still have Norman Powell. OG really took a big step forward this year. Um, Pascal. Yes. I'm sure we will get into that in more detail later on. I'm still bullish on him. Uh, despite this atrocious playoff run. So, yeah, um, it'll be an interesting offseason because it's not a deep free agent class. There's still a lot of unknowns as to what next season looks like. A lower salary cap. Uh, we've got to deal with the situation with the, with the free agents. Uh, primary Fred Van Vliet is obviously, the of the three, the one that I would rank as the highest priority of the three. And yeah, we'll take it from there. Um, they took care of business today, some business today, by well, I'm sure this was taken care of earlier, but extending uh, Nick Nurse, which was not the surprise, not a surprise at all. It was more of a um, formality than anything else at this point.
2: So l- let's, let's not put this off any, any longer. I think let's, let's talk about Pascal. I want to get into Fred definitely. But um, should we talk about the performance? Like what happened in the playoffs? What do we see going forward for him? I'm still bullish on
0: him. I think it was a pretty steep learning curve. Uh, we saw what some of his shortcomings are. He has, uh, he, he, you know, he, he could work on it. And I think Raptors could do a whole lot worse than having him as uh, your number one guy. He's yeah. definitely not Jason Tatum. We know that for sure.
1: Yeah, that's just not go back
2: to that <laughs> well you, no but no you know Prime, you, you were you were a little bit worried about the fact that we put that out there and we, we put it into the universe, but like to be honest with you i we weren't wrong on it um you know we maybe made it sound a little bit closer than it actually is, but you know it, in in the grand scheme of things, I don't think like this is definitely a learning experience um i, I nobody thought that Pascal was going to come in this season and do what he did um like yeah we, we expected a, a step a step forward but for him to actually improve um to the degree that he did I think like there's still more in him and going through the growing pains of being the number one option uh on a team that's making it to the second round of the playoffs it's it's not easy um like you know going back and I, I've, I've had this conversation with a few other people where I, I mentioned Vince Carter and and some of the growing pains in his first playoffs I understand that this, these aren't Pascal's first playoffs but it's his first time actually being the number one option, and so, you know when when you haven't. First of all, we're, it's it's the it's the Boston Celtics. You know, it's it's not just a, another team who 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 isn't great defensively. The, the Boston Celtics ha- are led by a very smart coach who was able to pretty much scheme perfectly against Pascal, and Pascal wasn't used to getting those double teams he didn't it looked like he didn't know what to do once he got the ball in the lane he was thinking a little bit too much he was taking too long to make decisions and you know it it hurt us
0: yeah but one thing I would also like to point out that he yes he struggled with scoring but he did help out in other ways I mean he was still a pretty decent defender he did uh, pass the ball around a little bit rebounded so just from a scoring standpoint yeah he struggled but it wasn't like a totally does that, well, disaster series for him. I mean, it looks that way because Raptors lost and obviously there was a lot of spotlight on him, but you know, maybe it's a little, I don't know. I don't want to say it's overblown, but there was definitely some positives there as well.
1: He still defended. He still defended yeah. really, really well. So it's not like a DeRozan situation yeah. where if he doesn't score, that's it. There's no value he can bring. I give him a year. Uh, see what he walks away with. Um, he, it's well known that he works out with Rico Hines. And Rico Hines is one of the top player development guys in the world. So every year in L.A., he's gone out there. Two years ago, again, this was a guy that was the energy defender, rebounder, shot blocker guy off the bench and could only score at the rim with, with through cuts and easy layups. Now he's expected to be the number one option on an offense, and so that's a pretty substantial jump in two years. So I want to see what it comes back with. I think it's obvious what his – he needs to get better finishing at the rim now that he is being keyed in on and schemed for. Uh, the shooting is inconsistent as well. Uh, I think a lot of it, honestly, like especially with the game at, at the rim, I think he just needs to maybe just hit the weights, maybe put on some – put on some mass, uh, get a little stronger so he finishes better and see um, how, how he does there. I'm um, Again, I'm still bullish. I, I'm interested in seeing what he comes back with next year. And if next year he has a very – he has similar struggles, then you have to start to question is he the guy that – if Giannis becomes available then, do you move off of him because you don't think him and Giannis can work together. You have to start questioning those things if we have a, if he has another playoff like this next year, but the time being, let's just see what he comes back with.
2: Yeah. I, w- weights in footwork for me, like f- footwork. You can see that he, once he like his, his patented spin, once he did that and, and it was stopped, he he never got his, his his drop foot deep enough to to do anything else. And he was pretty much spinning back. And then it ended up in a bad pass or a bad shot and off balance. If he's a little bit stronger Maybe he goes in. he can absorb the contact. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not giving up on him. I know a lot of people are. I know he's been the whipping boy for for Toronto fans and just NBA fans in general. You know, they like to poke fun at him, but it's it's not done. He's still maybe not in actual age terms, but in terms of actual experience, he's still a young player. He's still going to learn. And and if anything, he's shown over the course of his career that he's willing to work. And he 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 doesn't shy away from things being difficult.
0: Yeah, and that's something that's been evident uh, in college, D League, you know, progressing here at NBA level. So yeah. Shouldn't be any different.
1: Yeah, let's see what he comes back with.
0: Uh, All right. So what else do you guys think? Raptors like a lot of moves they have to make, right? Um a few guys leaving Fred van vliet Pramit said that should be their number one priority they definitely need to bring in a few big men what do you guys
2: think
1: i think that's so, go all ahead, go, ahead. go ahead no i i, I
2: primit I'm, I'm interested to like yeah van vliet is definitely number one priority but i'm a little bit worried about how much they're actually going to end up paying him um what's i what's the highest you're willing to go on somebody like van vliet
1: so the Raptors currently have about committed salary next year about approximately eighty five million dollars uh, committed for next year. Um, if the cap latest number it's not finalized. Latest number is about uh, what? What are we looking? We were looking at one fifteen, but. It, it looks like it's going to drop even more. What was the latest number we got?
2: I think it's, it's, it's supposed to go down by six or 8 million, something mm-hmm. around that ballpark. But I mean, even, even without getting into, I guess the, the specific so specifics. For, I, so let's
1: 105 cap. you have about 85 sets so that you have about $20 million in cap space to work with. Obviously you have the bird rights with Fred and certain guys. So you can uh, go over if you need to. He's at about eight right now.
2: Do so you go above twenty?
1: You know what to, you know He's what I get, right now. This is gonna be a so I remember the first extension Lowry signed with the Raptors in 2014. It was the four year deal. Now this was in an old cap system, but it was about 12 million a year. Uh, he had an opt-out after three years. You bring that into twenty twenty numbers, uh, so I don't know twelve million back in a eighty million cap era to a one hundred five million cap era will take you to what fifteen, sixteen.
2: I don't. I don't even know if that's enough to get it done though. I, I think so. We like you got to consider the the Knicks, the Pistons, uh, potentially Miami, uh, the Hawks might be an interest. I think somebody is giving them. Uh, more than twenty
1: you think somebody's going to give him a max deal? I think
2: so, I think so I think and, and enough.
1: yeah,
0: sorry go ahead.
2: yeah like i there's somebody who's going to be so desperate that you know Fred is the one out there we we've both looked at the at the free agent class. there isn't a lot out there. Fred is probably one of the more interesting names, and when I look at it, so I know there's a Blake Murphy article in the athletic where he was speculating how much we could, and this was from early on in the season how much we could actually give fred depending on you know a few things um what pascal's situation is because i think pascal's contract escalates if he makes uh and i don't know if this is gonna happen but like first, second third team all nba um so i, I think he was saying like somewhere around 20 million is what like the, the top end of what we would be able to give fred and, I, and honestly i think if we want to keep him i don't know if he's giving us a discount he did say something earlier on in the season about you know, this is a little bit of a different year. This is a strange year and he might be willing to go shorter term or accept a little bit less money. But I mean, to be honest with you, I I think it's going to, it's going to be at least 20.
1: Mm. It might be, it might be. Now they have the bird rights. They can go over the cap and avoid the luxury tax. And these are things that we have to look at, like what the, the salary situation moving forward. And Lowry made an interesting point at his end of the year um, when he met with the media after Game Seven. He, he basically declared Fred the future point guard of the organization.
2: Yeah, and I love Fred. Like um, I, I was the first one when when the Raptors brought him in to summer league uh, at what Wichita State. Like as soon as I saw the name, I'm like, I, I love this guy because I remembered him when he played against Miami in the tournament uh go canes. Uh, and like I've I've been a big Fred supporter since he was with the 905, since they brought him up to the Raptors. But there are limitations that he has and you know a great leader, uh great defender, but offensively there are just some limitations in the show. Like that that final shot, you, you could see it there. Like I mean it's one shot. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge a guy off off of one shot, but I just think paying him that much money is, is a little bit scary.
0: So let's look at the alternatives. If someone offers a max contract uh, to Fed or more than Raptors and he's gone, what are you looking at? Who do you go after?
1: Dragic? Th-
2: that's an interesting name, yeah.
1: I'm looking at, yeah, looking at point. I think How old is he now? Go- He's Lowry's age. So, I mean, this isn't going to be... A, he would not be a long-term option. Hmm. He would be a guy that you could sign on a shorter-term deal. I don't... Who knows what he will take? But because the thing is that you could say, oh, well, a lot of players aren't going to want to test the free agent. Like, this is not a good off-season for money because of the uncertainty with what league revenues are going to be. Will there be fans at games? What the cap will be? But at the same time, the next year's free agency is another deep year. So there's still going to be those limitations now, and there's going to be the whole crowding out effect that there just isn't going to be enough money to go around for everybody. So some of these guys, like uh, Fleet, Dragic-type guys, this is their big year to cash in, despite the uncertain economics of the league. So they may not – it's easy for us to say, well, a lot of these guys will just take short-term deals and – re-enter the market next year or the year after but it's not that simple they may just take the guaranteed money out even if it is a little bit less than they would have anticipated a year ago
2: yeah but and, and that's the thing right so you look at you look at the class and like Dragic is probably the most interesting name but other than that you got i don't know Brandon Knight, does, does he float your boat or um, <laughs> like, I don't know, Evan Turner, like not really a, not really a point guard, but I mean, can handle yeah. the ball a little bit. Teague, e- T- like it's, it's those types of guys. And even if you go further down the list, like it's, there's, there's nobody who's really going to jump out at you. So, I mean, I don't know that they're going to get themselves in a situation where they say there's nobody else. So we're just going to give them the money because I mean, I, I don't think the Raptors do business like that, but um, it, it might be a year where, you know, Lowry's your guy. Uh you give Terrence Davis a little bit more of the ball handling responsibilities and then, you know, I I've, I've been looking at the draft and there there are some interesting names um and maybe you take somebody with with the late first round pick. There there's um there's a few names that I've looked at. Um I don't think anybody that's, you know, that's going to be um necessarily a, a future star, but you know, somebody like a Cassius Winston, a Trey Jones, uh it, filling the po- point guard duties. Marcus Howard, if you want to score, which I've been saying that name a lot to you guys. Uh, Malik High Flynn. There's, there's a few names that you can get late or, first round, and, and Marcus Howard, you know, you can get them late second round. If you
1: want to look at a shooting guard, uh, if you look at the. You can look, Joe Harris is a name. Yeah. UFA. Yeah. Uh, he can shoot it for sure. He will get you some. He will help with the scoring. And yeah, he's he's not a bad defender either. I mean, he can definitely uh, hold his own there. So.
0: Demar is yeah. a free agent, no? Who?
2: Demar.
1: If he opts out of his deal, he has yeah. An
2: <laughs> I see where you're going there. I don't think it's <laughs> happening.
1: I don't think he's opting out. I don't think he will get no, that no, no. no,
2: no, 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 no. No, he's, he's, he's
1: not. Unless he wants to take lesser now, but then secure more later. I don't maybe, but I don't see him opting out given the uncertainties, uh, yeah. especially for a guy like him who's game is just becoming more and more redundant in this league yeah, uh, yeah. i mean there i personally if i were to just event just given the way that the raptors have done business in retaining their guys it's long, like i mean forget like Kawhi, notwithstanding that was a one-year rental we knew that going into it but i mean they've extended lowry multiple times they did get deros into that extension before letting him go uh they did manage to keep surge around before uh after they got him, they uh, used the bird rights and retained them. Even going back to guys like Gravis Vasquez and Patrick Patterson, they they kept those guys that were good guys in their system and realized that they were the, the a lot of these players were going to be better off playing here, given the the system that the organization has, and they wouldn't be going elsewhere. And they managed to maintain that culture by even when you do have turnover by having homegrown guys who they retain they maintain that strong culture that they've created so i'm still i I think they're going to keep them now how high we how high they go what the number is i mean we're in a cap it's not my money or our money but I mean, we are in a cap league so there's a bit of a risk there but
2: it's just that it's it's that 2021 class that you're looking at and Everybody keeps they saying the Giannis. They
1: still have the room. I mean, you have Lowry coming off the books next year. He's thirty. That's,
2: yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. And and when you, I mean, I, I'm assuming they'll they'll probably end up re-signing but at a at a very big discount. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I guess they have they've, they've got some important decisions to make, and and I think everything is going to be all decisions are going to be made with with 2021 in mind and the potential to bring Giannis in. I, I I'm not. I don't believe it's happening, but. Then again, even when we got Kawhi, I didn't believe that we actually got Kawhi. <laughs> so, um, I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's some tough decisions. I I wouldn't want anybody else making the decisions other than Masai and, and Bobby Webster. So I'm 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 confident that they'll make the right decision. So, what
0: about uh, the trade market? So we're assuming we're looking at the free agent class. Who do you think might be available in the trade market that maybe Raptors can get someone? relatively cheap
2: well oh, i i don't know that like somebody's got to fire up the trade machine <laughs> do we do we want to make a run at uh at russell westbrook there
1: oh here's I'm, a, I'm okay i'm, I'm here's joking the, no. you want to you want to go crazy here outside the box okay, i don't think this will and i don't know if they should go down this path uh sorry about that chris paul <laughs> he's
0: a free agent next year right
1: um, his deal well, he's. I know okay, is going to try to probably likely move him. Yeah, like I don't think app. he's
2: going to be a fit though. I, mean, no. I, I, I would. I would take him. It's just what's, what's his is it 37 million or 40, uh, 40? Yeah. Is he a-
1: well, yeah, you're gonna. It, it, I don't see it working. Like, I don't. The not, It's more. It's going to be forty next year, and then the year after he has a player option for forty-four, yeah. Yeah. which he will exercise. Yeah, be uh, crazy I not think, to? For the name out there,
2: um, Pine the Sky. Ideas. I mean, it, it it it. It would be interesting, but it's yeah, it's not
1: happening. It's a, and another thing with the trademark, It's been very silent because again. Ooh, there's a lot of uncertainty about, first of all, there's a lot of coaching vacancies open. So a lot of these moves that the trade market, this is a number of things. Number one, the trade market will take shape after the free agent market settles, because then teams who missed out on their guys will try to trade to fill gaps. Number two, again, teams, the money situation is difficult to navigate through. We don't know which owners are willing to swallow it and just, continue business as usual, whereas which owners are going to try not to spend and try to offload deals and find ways to save money and collect. I know the NBA when it comes to moving money is a little bit more restricted, but find ways to maneuver uh, and save money. We don't know what players are, and we still don't even know for sure the caps looking like or what players are even thinking. So it's, and even just logistically of trading and moving guys around in a pandemic, it's there's still a lot of uncertainty. So it's not like your typical, well, these are the guys they should go after. And with new coaches as well coming in, like a new coach comes in with a new system and then think, well, like, there's all this talk about, well, look, what if Dan Tony gets the Philadelphia job? Well, that roster is not set up at all no. to play offense the way Dan Tony wants. So if they bring him in, that will likely correspond with some personnel moves as well. So a lot of it is going to come down to how the coaching market settled. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns. Yeah.
0: And how about the big men? So, okay, we think Gasol's on coming back. What about Ibelka? Uh,
2: I I think of the two. He's, he's the one I bring back. We were talking about this earlier, Pram, and I think you agree with that too, right?
1: Yes. So I think Gasol won't be back. And I think it's obvious. He's still a very good defender, very effective. But again, his, he is aging. He does not move the way you need a big man to move these days. And having him there really did limit the offense. Uh, yeah, the defense was better, but the offense just did not flow a lot with him. The, the offensive game has been, I mean, he can't, the scoring just isn't there. The shooting isn't there. The finishing isn't there. He can still pass and set screens and defend, but he's also a player that's 35 years old and on the decline. So he's not going to be, yeah, you, can't, you have to expect that a guy at his age is that decline is going to continue. So even if you bring him back, you're still going to – and it's less money, whatever, but you're still going to have to deal with the same issues on the court. So uh loved him when he was here. Uh, we would want not have won the title without him, but I think it's time to move on from him. It's okay, yeah,
0: so what are the options then?
2: Well, one of the names that I was looking at, and I don't exactly know um, – I mean, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with them, um, but Harry Giles from Sacramento. So, uh, Sacramento declined his uh, his option, which means he's he's a free agent. Uh, which I it, it's inexplicable that they did it because they basically Vlade was was upset that he came in a little bit out of shape, and he kind of said, you know, you're going to have to show me that you're worth it. But by doing that they've now capped what they can offer him. If he has a good year, he didn't have a great year. I think it was around like six or seven points. He's, he's been injured a lot though, since coming into the, into the league. Uh, and he's one of those guys where, uh, you know, uh, low risk, high reward, depending on, uh, the kind of money that he ends up getting, which is going to depend on what other teams see in him. He was, he was a fairly high draft pick, So I, I think there might be somebody who might throw a little bit more money than, then we'd want to, but athletic, big man, power forward. um, I I would love to see him here. I don't know if it's going to happen though. Um, And the name that you threw out there was, was Harold.
1: That's a, now that's a big long, that's a really big, long shot. I mean, that's a real long shot. Number one, Clippers have his bird rights. So number two, they, as uh, when I brought up the point earlier about which owners are going to, Continue spending. Which ones are going to tighten up, um, tighten their belts a little? Steve Ballmer is not one of those belt owners that's going to tighten the belt a little. <laughs> yeah, uh, they will. I high I think they will retain him. He hasn't played great this round. Jokic has really, um, taken it to him. But again, it's Jokic. He's elite. Um, but he's coming off the sixth man of the year. He fits into what they do there. He's a big part of that team. the and their, um, their system, so I highly doubt he makes it to free agency. However, if you have the opportunity, it's somebody that you have to look at. Again, the cap situation is going to be difficult to maneuver. I mean, you're going to have to deal – you're going to have to – assuming you do retain Fred, you don't know how much room you have to go over that uh, Yeah, and, and, go- and-
2: Ultimately, I, I still think that the big need and what we what we're missing in the playoffs is still that shot creator, and looking at the class, not a whole lot there. Um, we're we're probably going to have to draft somebody um, to fill that need, and if without addressing that, like I, I think, or I mean, there's always a trade market, but um, that that's the the biggest weakness that I can see that that will help us offensively if we can address it. Because I think we were middle of the pack um, in the league offensively in our in our half-court offense, which it's not going to cut it. Uh, we're not going to get very far. The fact that we made it as far as we did and almost made it to the conference finals um, was pretty amazing. That's a testament to our defense and the coaching that Nick Nurse did, but we need a shot creator, and we need one badly.
1: So to Harry Giles, one drawback, I mean, he's a four, not a five, unless you, yep. you could put a five, Good. I suppose. Are you comfortable having him in there who can't shoot the three? Or are you, I guess it will depend on what the rest of the roster.
0: So what are you looking for for a five right now? That's the question, right? So you knew what you had in uh, Gasol, good defender, good passer, but you struggled with the offense. Now, do you sacrifice some of that for offense? And, I mean, who do you have available in centers? Like, I think it's Andre Drummond, Mason Plumlee, like, those are your top guys in free agency right now.
1: Yeah, I'm not touching Drummond. So eh, I I, think Drummond I mean, I has know. a player
2: option, if I'm not mistaken, which or do, does was he? Is that this year? I don't think he does. I don't think. I
0: think it was last year.
2: Okay. Uh. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I just saw it wrong then. But yeah. I. I, I don't. I, that. That. Those two don't really. I mean, Plumlee's not bad. I don't. I actually don't mind him. Um. But for me, what I would be looking for from a center is somebody who you don't need to run anything through. Uh, so it would be very different from the way you use Gasol. You're not, you're not running any offense through him. Um, what I want is somebody who can set a pick and somebody who can dive to the basket. Um, and then what you're going to en- have to end up doing, because there's going to be some touches available. So OG had some ridiculously low usages here, and he did a lot with, with what, he, what, what he was given. I think some of the usage is going to go over to OG. Mm-hmm. And and there's still the option of running the the small lineup that they were running, where you have uh, Pascal and Og at the four and five.
1: Uh, one, now, one to go back to Harry Giles. I mean, I, uh, obviously, I think a lot of these numbers you take with a grain of salt because it's a byproduct of the system and the players around them. But in terms yep. of defensive real plus minus, now this is a, this is. ESPN has him ranked with; it considers him a center, not a power forward.
2: He mm-hmm.
1: was the, he had the second worst defensive <laughs> real plus minus among centers in the league. Again, the Sacramento was not known to be a good defensive team That's at what all. Say. So yeah. It's a byproduct. A lot of these numbers are a byproduct of the system, but second worst. <laughs> That's what I think. because Nick Nurse sets this standard: as if you don't play defense, you don't play at all, and I'm sure. They'll have to, he will have to like look at finding a way to balance things out. But I don't know if he, I mean, he's young and there's upside. So that's a good thing. And Raptors have a great player development system here for sure. And they've uh, developed a ton of guys over the years. And I, so I mean, he's a guy that he would be a project if you bring him over. But I don't think he's the guy that you'd bring in and he's in your rotation immediately he's going to ride the bench, play garbage minutes, and have to earn his time through practice because of uh, the defenses. And understandably so, given the limitations this team had offensively, they have to just play lockdown B all the time in order to win.
2: Yeah, and I like I don't think he's coming in and being a, a real difference maker right off the bat. I th- Like I said, I think it's one of those low risk high reward kind of like a ronde type where you can get him on some cheap money and maybe he turns into something and maybe not um you still have chris boucher who maybe you can get some more minutes I, I don't know how comfortable i feel giving him more than anything more than something in the high teens but um maybe you give boucher a little bit more run but i i want some athleticism for my centers uh if they can shoot a little bit great but um you know, doing stuff without getting the ball is—you know—being able to score without getting the ball is—is is what I would love from a center.
1: Christian Thompson, the local <sighs> guy. <sighs> he rebounds. I mean, and he could defend. He in the right in the right system, he can defend well. He's a there's still some shot blocking ability there. He, I think, it'd be an, a cool little story having the local guy back here. Um.
2: It's like the McGlure story all over again.
1: Well, you're a little younger than McGlure was.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I I have that hatred Uh, built in from from when he was with Cleveland. So I don't think I'm ever going to lose that, even though he's a Toronto guy.
1: He's a Toronto guy, but I mean, he went down the Kardashian path and wore for a coat. So I'm kind of not a big fan of that. But uh, that, that aside, he's an interesting name. There were rumors... I think back in December, there were some rumors out there yeah. that the Raptors were looking at him, and the Raptors squashed that. Obviously, nothing happened at the trade deadline. I wonder, if he's, is he a guy... I mean, he's gotten his big money deal already. Uh, so, I don't... I mean, who knows? I mean, obviously, these guys make as much as they can. So, I, I, I don't know. Like, that's another name that that's a consideration. Uh, would he be an interesting guy... Because he he would fit a lot of that. He could finish at the rim, you could law send him love you can he he can defend uh, he, he, with the right. He to definitely sell.
2: fits what I would want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just what the number what's gonna be the number? What how much of the cap will Fred take up? What's the cap gonna be? Because then you, yeah. you work around that. And again, like with bird rights are a little different. I mean, they can go over the cap as uh, well and we need to what what difference between the cap and the luxury tax threshold is I don't suspect mlSE will be at the tightening of the belt type team in this situation I mean they got an abundance of money they are if they have a television they're owned by media companies and have to sell a te- television product so it's a big deal so once we'll be able to better address these scenarios once we know what the cap and the luxury tax threshold will be
2: so, I, I know you guys are going to love this as a transition, but speaking of teams owned by media companies, the Blue Jays. Uh, how are you guys feeling? Tonight. I, oh, I, I know. Um, so, other than tonight, because this is what? So, this is the second time in a week, week and a half, that they've they've gotten their, their asses handed to them pretty well.
0: Hmm.
2: Hmm. Uh, but I mean uh, those games aside um I what are you guys thinking about them
0: I think they're still hanging in there I mean they haven't had a really bad stretch uh, uh still four and a half games out of the first place so uh, I don't think they'll catch up to Tampa with based on the number of games left but um uh, I think uh, they could very well be second in AL East um uh, but uh, standing final score today yeah i mean bad game terrible but um, overall I, i'm i'm pretty hopeful i think I, I think they'll
2: play off bound this year did yep. did today's game drop them out of uh they were in fifth right did did it drop them down uh, I, I, I i know i heard on the telecast that i think it dropped
0: yeah. it down There's to seventh right
1: now. i think this yeah. well the tied they were uh, the fifth as of sunday yeah after the win against the mets
0: well, here's the thing: they'll always be either that or seventh, right? Because the way rankings are set up, because you have the two from each division first, right? right. So,
1: do you guys think Derek Fisher needs to go for a, well, far, far away? Did you have you? Did you see what what happened today?
0: No, I did not. I saw that uh, was trending
1: game. on Twitter, and not for good reasons. It's
0: what happened? Bad. What happened?
1: Oh, well, he missed some very catchable fly balls, like. Awful. Like he was, it was to the point that even Mike Wilner says, tweets, Derek Fisher owes Taiwan Walker a couple of Rolexes.
0: So is that, so was it worse than his first miscue where the ball just hit his uh, face when he first came on last year? Remember yes. that? Was it worse than
2: that? I, I, I gotta see, I, I didn't see what happened. So I, I saw a little bit of Taiwan getting, uh, Pounded in the second inning, I think it was maybe I turned it on the first inning i didn't i like I didn't stick around and honestly once I realized around the third inning that I was missing the heat and Celtics game, so I ended up changing it. I think by the time I changed it it was it was like thirteen thirteen three because Lourdes hit uh hit a two run homer i I figured i'm I'm okay to miss the rest of the game because I didn't uh, mercy rule should have been in effect again.
0: Yeah, but that's that's the thing about Mercy Roll. Even that comes out five
2: innings. This was bad <laughs> by the third.
1: Oh, and it's it shouldn't have happened. Taiwan Walker gave up seven runs in this game. Uh Joe, seven runs were charged to him.
0: No, one it was one run charged to him. Well, that's well, kind of dumb. Seven well.
1: runs, one earned run.
0: Yeah. So that's that's There's that's also, a whole other level should, of dumb. So
1: my goodness, like And then, like, Shon Yamaguchi, ooh.
0: He's been pretty decent. Like, after his first couple of disaster starts, uh, he's had a couple of rough outings recently, but overall he was pretty solid in between.
1: After today, he has an ERA of 6.65 and a whip of 1.52.
0: Well, one thing you've got to remember about the season, ERA is going to be really wonky for a long long time.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean... Not many of
0: them will throw more than 20-25 innings, right? So one bad outing will ruin the ERA for them. So you gotta keep that in mind.
2: So yeah, what I wanted to ask about too is uh the the whole since we haven't like this is our first episode and I think in a week and a half we're a little bit off schedule now. Um the the whole Tanner Roark fiasco, um where you know he got pulled before the the third time around the lineup, uh had some words for, for Charlie Montoyo. Uh you guys agree with them you guys you guys understand why they're doing what they're doing um, and are you guys worried at all about how much they're taxing the pen
0: so here's the thing right I think it's pretty like it's pretty common these days that uh, the front offices uh, managers are very hesitant in having uh, starting pitches third time round, especially you know middle to back end rotation guys uh, the numbers dramatically are worse off uh, when they're facing the guys third time around. So I, I see the logic behind it. If I'm not mistaken, Roark's numbers, third time through as terrible, uh, fairly similar to his second time around. And the other point being that, I mean, totally, I totally get Montoya. I don't think it's a bad, it was a bad decision or anything, but I think sometimes you may have to think about how much you're taxing the pen as well, and maybe let him eat up an inning or so. And just because the bullpen has been throwing a lot of innings right and and they've done they've been pretty spectacular for the most part uh, but uh, there was a point that they were just running on fumes and I think anytime you have a starter being able to throw in a seventh inning in this in like this particular season um, it's worthwhile looking and like you know pursuing with it
1: yeah, yeah I think I, I agree uh, I I keep in mind that I grew up watching guys like Halliday and my I love watching these the Kershaws and the Verlanders just destroy. Yeah, but we're talking
0: life. about Tanner Roark. I would
1: not disrespect. Yeah, Tanner Roark isn't now. that he, he's not at that level. I I agree. So the and I'm all for analytics. If I do think baseball has gone a little bit overboard in that one direction of it, and it, as we've talked about, it's made the game less fun. I don't blame Roark for being mad. I mean, the guy's a starter. He wants to go in. He's thinking about his own career. He's on a, after this year, he has one year left on his deal. You want to show that you can have the opportunity to to go through lineups three times. So, yeah, like they have, he has, he's incentivized to have those opportunities. I get the Jays perspective, short season. Every one win is like three, really. So I get why they're doing it. I do worry about the bullpen at times
0: they've done thrown the fourth most innings for any relief staff in all of baseball. And they also have the highest war. So it's not as if a lot of these guys are coming in and doing a mop up job. They've actually been lights out. Like probably the biggest reason why the Blue Jays are in the position they are today is because of that pen. And Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, have a couple of guys coming back. I mean, Giles is back. So obviously that helps. Um, even solidified even further. But yeah, that's the only thing, right? They haven't had too many starters uh, even starting the seventh inning. So,
2: well, I, I saw, I saw a stat that um, the starters are averaging 4.1 innings. um, And I think they're so Tanner, Tanner Rourke, I think his, his, his OPS was um, like, he was, was 790. I think the third, third time through the lineup and like, Second time was like seven seventy something like that, and I think for the the starters as a whole, I think it was actually plus like it, it was over it was over one thousand. Um, so I mean, t- Tanner might not be necessarily as bad as the rest of them, but I, like I, I I get a little bit concerned about how much how much they're 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 putting on the pen. But yeah, like you said, it's definitely the reason why they are why they're at where they are. Um, And like you said, they're getting some help coming in. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, is Pearson going into the pen when he comes back as well? Yep. Yep. Yes. So there's more help coming, even more. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jordan Romano, if he comes back. Right.
0: So, I mean, the pen's going to be pretty strong. And, I mean, which allows you to shorten a game in a playoff for sure. But uh, when, you know, you're playing regular season, you've got to remember that you can't just optimize every single day because the guy's... You know, you, you can use Giles six days in a row or five days. Yeah. Now I would argue
1: as Charlie Montoya would say, well, this is not a normal regular season.
0: Well, that is fair. Like, that is a fair point. So
1: we need to just bank these wins because you just it's not like May where you can argue, well, you know, we still have four months to go. We're this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah,
0: you're you're right. And the conversation we're having is I think a bit of a moot point because you only have thirteen games left after today. So mm-hmm. you pretty much at the end of the line so this is a point where you just do whatever you can to get into playoffs and you know you just take it from there um i mean they've thrown the least i think the third fewest innings uh, the starters blue jays starters have thrown this season so obviously um, it doesn't seem likely that that's going to change yeah yeah. You have two and guys who probably throw head, yeah. six, seven, and well, not even seven, five. Some just, of
1: the numbers, like innings pitched by the starters, it is a byproduct of guys being injured. And when you get in, like, you don't have the minors to stretch out again. So you're Fair. coming back with Fair. Uh, a shorter start. You had bigger bullpens because the rosters were larger early in the year, and then guys weren't stretched out. So, But even all teams have that situation, although they had a lot of rotation injuries, which force them to sort of patchwork some games together again. I don't think this is how they would manage in a 162-game season. I think in a 162-game season, if your bullpen is the best part of your team, you're probably not making the playoffs. You have to get – except like they have, – they're have the one-off where you have like, those candidates. Candid that
0: uh, You remember that uh, – I think it was like six or seven years ago, Baltimore had that crazy bullpen, and they had – they won like – gazillion number of one-run games.
1: They had, yeah, they had that and they had just enough offense. Yes. they had a, I mean, they weren't a bad, they were actually similar to the Jays, like a heavy mm-hmm. home run hitting team. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I think as we know, like relievers performances fluctuate like crazy year to year. So, I mean, I think it's amazing that they're going to, even they're going to get into the playoffs and all that. Um, I don't think the way that this team is set up; it's a sustainable model for a 162-game season because it is very bullpen-heavy, and they're also relying on certain guys that don't really have careers of being elite relievers. I mean, they're good relievers; they have velocity; they're being used effectively, uh, but it's not uh, the like a sustainable model. Usually, the, the self-sustaining organizations always have good lineups and good starting pitching. Because bullpens yep. are just. Given too... like Kansas City, as great as that gauntlet was, they had a two-year run, you know, fourteen and fifteen, where they went with the World Series back-to-back Correct. years, and then just declined. Like guys got relievers got hurt, it fell apart. So, I mean, not so. I'm not going to say like this. This is the now the norm moving forward. They're going to have to still expect their rotation, and their lineup to take a step. The lineup has started to take a step forward. Their young hitters have to come up a level and the rotation as well, which I think they will next year. So if they win next year, my prediction is they won't win in the same manner that they won this year.
0: I agree. But the other thing, the one concerning piece I would say for the Jays is that, you know, some of the guys who went on a bit of a hot streak, kind of coming down towards a little bit. So you're starting to see, you know, you know, what you call regression to the mean. And, you know, I mean, you people get a little more excited about Randall Gricek. He is who he is, right? We all knew that. Uh, Hernandez has been hurt and we don't know when he's coming back. So, I mean, the offense potentially could struggle a little bit. That's one area of concern I do have. Um, it's great that they have bishop back, uh, Bezier top of the line. Decent option. Be Vlad has... Not being great so far this year. Um, so he's I mean, if, if I would have one concern more than, than the starting pitcher, sorry,
1: Vlad has been better since August. Yes, since, hey, absolutely, July. Sure.
0: Yeah, but well, he's been consistent, right? I mean,
1: he's not. I mean, yeah, he's hitting for average and all that now, but I mean, he's still putting the ball on the ground too much. I mean, we want to see. I want to see this guy pound the ball like drive it. Like, six home runs? Yeah. Like- Even
0: right now, I mean, it's 300, like, 321 on base, right? So it's not nothing spectacular. So again, very a young more. guy. Yeah, me too. I would have expected more. But young guy, okay, you've got to give him a pass. He succeeded at almost every level, so there's no reason that he wouldn't. But I think, man, he's going to start hitting the ball in the air. Like, he needs some Pat Tabler-level coaching.
1: Well, hit the ball <laughs> in the air. Something's going, yeah. Yeah. Now, the good news is that they're now 16th in the league and on-base percentage. So they're right in the middle, at 324 team on-base percentage. Yes, again, short season, but about a month ago, they were near the bottom. So we're starting to see some positive signs, like in terms of like just the better, like they're drawing more walks. Um, let me just, then if I just go back and submit this from August 9th onwards,
2: uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just hoping while you look that up. I'm just hoping that both Rowdy and, and Teoscar, which I think they're both supposed to be back for the playoffs, maybe before. Mm-hmm. But having them in the lineup definitely help. Um, sure. but like saying that about Rowdy, like I, I didn't, I didn't think he would, he would have as good a run as he did. What was it like a, a good two week run, which is like an eternity in this in the in a shortened season.
0: Yeah and he was like he was red hot right so definitely they missing his bat as well
2: Absolutely. But
0: I see big improvements with Alejandro Kirk coming in like you know that big power bat
2: Hey I told you guys I'm I'm looking for that rookie card so if any of our listeners have an Alejandro uh, Kirk rookie card for for a cheap price I will take it off your hands um I I, I don't know I don't know if it's the if it's the stockiness um, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he does well. Um, like it, they weren't getting much offensively from their catchers to begin with. Um, I think Jansen had a, you know, around 300 on base. Um, I don't know. I, Joseph and Maguire I don't think really did anything. So I, I'm, I'm just excited to have somebody else in there and I know he's been doing a lot of work defensively. So hopefully he can get up to par there. It's just the, the one thing that I've always wanted is is I love catchers with with great arms. So I just I like you know I, I was I was going to come in here and, and start talking about Benito Santiago because he was he was one of my favorite catchers. You know. But um you know I, I'm I'm hoping that he can do something because I, I was, you posted some interesting stats about like about our catching situation since uh, since Jan Gomes was here and like it, it, it hasn't been good.
0: Yeah, uh, so yeah. So yeah. yeah. I was just wondering, right? So Jan Gomes, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was at Tennessee and he was JP or NCBS backup. I I could be totally wrong, uh, but and it's funny that uh, you know they had JP and then um, they decided. Uh, and I don't know if it was they had Travis Darnell back then or not, but they traded him away and Cleveland very quickly signed him to an extension for six years or something. And since then. Since the year they traded him, Jan Gomes has a higher war as a catcher than all of Blue Jays' catchers combined.
1: That's crazy. And and that includes three three very good
0: years from Russell Martin. Yeah, Outside of that, we had really, really terrible years, right? Um, And that was just uh, the day before Alejandro Kirk made his debut. And I think his debut probably kind of tilted Jays' catchers ahead of Jan Gomes a little bit maybe that day. uh, I don't know, but I, th- there's definitely a reason why they brought him up, like mostly for the bat, right? Danny Jansen has been struggling quite a bit. Uh, he was supposed to be a bat-first catcher. Hasn't really broken out that way as yet, so we don't know what uh, uh, they're looking at going like going forward, right? I could probably see them in the off-season packaging one of Maguire or Jansen in-, in a deal for something else uh, where they may have in some need. Um, But the other thing is that I don't have the Alejandro Kirk uh, rookie card, but I do have a Yon Gomes signed Blue Jays uh, spring training game ticket if you want. uh,
1: Oh, my God. uh, Is is that
2: from when you
0: guys went? Yeah. And the funny thing is he came in and he signed our uh, ticket, and we looked at each other. Like, who's this guy? Like, we hadn't even heard of Yon Gomes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't he sign Pramit's chest too? Didn't didn't Pramit pull his shirt down and get him to sign his chest?
1: I wish. No, that was John Carroll. (laughs) So, back to the Jays' stats, and I think that, yeah, given that we, before we wrap this up. So, the positive with the offense, which is, and I'm a big proponent of on-base percentage, the last, since August 9th, the team is at an on-base percentage of about 339, which is quite good for a collective team. And since September, it's been 344. So we are seeing some even with some guys coming on where I think we're starting to see some development in the offense which is good definitely I mean a big plus because I don't when guys are getting on base it's a better you have a better overall like you can it's much easier to build an offense it's much easier to build a sustainable offense it's much easier harder to game plan against when guys are Willing to draw walks and aren't chasing and um, have a plan in place as to what they want to hit when they get up there, rather than just trying to make hard contact on whatever comes through or relying on hand-eye coordination, which comes in goals at times, which can go very quickly for older players too. So it's a positive. It's a positive. We're seeing some good signs.
2: The box in one zone off uh, zone defense isn't going to work against uh, a team that's getting guys on base then.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you got exactly. it. Exactly.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so I, I just, just one, one thing that I wanted to end off with is um, Dan Vogelbach. Unfortunately claimed by the Brewers. End of an era. Yeah. End of an era. Uh, sad time. Uh, Dan, we loved you. Come on the show.
1: And one last thing, my predictions have bad as bad as my predictions have been. And yes, Vogelbach, um, we hope you're one of the 20 listeners, sure. or the German guy, or the Irish guy. Who knows? Um, my prediction of Denver being my sleeper—they are leading in the fourth quarter against the Clippers.
2: <laughs> that is crazy. That is crazy. I, I hope they pull it off, but at the same time, I kind of wanted Kawhi to be the one to make it to the finals. Um, I, want,
1: why, I don't, well, wanna, if I don't want If he loses, to
2: then you can also make an argument that without the Raptors, he wasn't really gonna, gonna make it
0: right. So
1: Well, well it goes plays. now, yeah. They need him. He it was a bad wall on his part. I mean, um, from a basketball perspective, maybe personal life, he's from the area, very different. True. But possible um,
2: trade target? Possible trade target, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Well, <laughs> if that happens, because given my Jay's prediction, gone, it's like an epic fail. My Raptor Celtic prediction, epic fail. One, my sleeper. I I got that one sleeper. I could get that right if they come back and win. I mean, if they hold this lead and win the game. It's
2: something.
0: It's something. With that, I think we've come to the end of our show. Um, Thank you for all uh, listening, watching. Uh, This episode should be up on YouTube pretty soon as well. Uh, If you have, uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please, um, you know, write a review. Uh, rate it on any platform wherever you're watching. Send us an email, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Box in one pod. We'd love to hear from you again. Once again, our German, Irish, even we have some uh, audience in California, Virginia, Ohio, and Texas, which is very, very interesting. So we'd love to hear from you guys.
1: Ohio, and Texas, and Virginia.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's got to be family or something. Maybe my family, or I don't know. Um, I don't know.
1: Maybe. You have family in those states?
2: Uh, uh maybe i don't know i don't know where they are they seem to have moved around so maybe
1: yeah i don't know i got nobody down there what about you
0: i don't i have a few in california but i don't know i mean uh, hey whoever's listening thank you yeah thank Appreciate you thanks that. guys
2: have a good night Global the downloads.
0: good night bye guys
1: thank you Bye bye
0: Are we finished? Done. Are we finished? Done.